Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Now it's the second podcast we've done this week and there's still quite a bit to talk about in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. So joining me as ever is Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you? I'm all right, although I feel a little bit weird that Lee's not here. I think I've kind of got so used to him now. I feel like my parents have broken up. <laughs> it's like, I was about to say, I don't know whether it was my dad or my mum has left, or I guess I can have two dads. Um, but yeah, it just feels a bit weird. I'm so used to Lee now being uh, there in the background and, and one of us going, so Lee, how you doing? Uh, yeah, it's very strange. Back back to the OGs or the, the GGs, I guess. Um, yeah, there's loads more for us to talk about. It's Tottenham Hotspur. There's always some weird stuff going on or... Just when things are going well, things arrive to trip Tottenham Hotspur up, and that seems to be in the case again. And we'll talk about how it affects Spurs and what they can do to get around it, I think. Yeah, I'm sure those of you who were wanting to listen to uh, Lee, he will be back very soon. So obviously, you're going away uh, on holiday. So <laughs> Announcing that to the world. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you've already said on the previous podcast, you're going away. I think I have. I yeah. think I have, to be fair, yes. So, I mean, it's not breaking news, but there we go. Right, we'll get <laughs> what back on. What rubbish news that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive. Right, we'll get back on to Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, there's been a couple of blows on the injury front in recent weeks. Obviously, uh, even Perisic set to miss the vast majority of the season uh, after going to surgery because of that ACL injury. Brendan Johnson's got a hamstring injury at present and now there's uh, unfortunately some more bad news on the injury front and that's Mana Solomon looking like he's going to uh, be on the sidelines for a couple of months. Uh, He's due to have an operation today. It's the meniscus in his knee. Uh, What's the problem? I mean, this is really like the last thing Ange Postacoglu once at present because of the other two injuries uh, in an attacking sense for Spurs. Absolutely. And from what I understand, it was just the most innocuous moment in training. Very similar to, um, although I think uh, Perisic's was in non-contact training as well. And this was, I think, I think just in a moment of normal training, I don't think there was any kind of anything that happened to him. Just one of those moments where, yeah, it, it just fates conspired and Manor Solomon who's had a really bright start to the season just obviously has tweaked his knee um, and now this meniscus needs repairing in it operations today um, and we'll find out kind of how successful that is and what that means in terms of a recovery time I know there's been some talk um, in Israel the the media there suggesting about a groin injury as well I, all, all we know is about the knee issue at the moment. Um, and obviously, we've got Ange Postacoglu's press conference tomorrow. From what I understand, I think it's not the knee that he had an issue with last season at Fulham. So that's a, a, as good a thing as you can get in a situation like this in terms of it's not a recurrence by the sound of it, of um, a similar problem in the same knee. It seems to be the other knee. So, yeah, it's just such a pain in the backside for the player who was really doing so well and had really settled well into life at Spurs. He'd settled into Postecoglou's system really well and just a, just a genuinely kind of hard-working player who was just kind of epitomised really nicely what Postecoglou's trying to do at Spurs. Obviously, he'd come up with a couple of assists as well. 
dangerous option from the start or from the bench. And now we await to see exactly how long he's going to be out. But it's going to be a bit of a chunk of time. Um, but as I always say, while something's unfortunate for one person, injuries do open a door for others. So, yeah, there's plenty of players there, I think, who will be champing at the bit to try and get their opportunity now. Yeah, it's definitely unfortunate for Spurs because, like you said, he has had a decent start to the season. I think he's started three of his six appearances and then come off the bench in the other three. And uh, he's made an impact, especially in that game against Burnley when he contributed with two assists. And I suppose if he's on the bench, it's a really good option to bring on someone who's, you know, speedy direct and can run at tight defences. It's something you want in the closing stages uh, of a game, but I think... Has he surprised you? Uh, I think he's done probably what I expected him to do. Uh, I thought he did well at Fulham last season. Obviously, he had that injury and then he had that really good run, I think, about February time where he uh, scored in five successive games, I think it was... Uh, I think he's done okay. I think there were obviously always going to be question marks over his end product, um, but it has contributed, you know, with the assists so far, which is a good sign. And he's only a young player still. Uh, what's he got? Six to eight months worth of Premier League experience under his belt, basically, just because of that injury, uh, what left him on the sidelines at Fulham. Uh, so he's only going to get better as a player and it's like I said it's just unfortunate that he's now going to be uh, missing in the games for Spurs but I think I think one positive you could probably maybe take from it is the fact that it's not a Son Heung-min it's not a James Madison one of these players who's just you know a regular starter who's basically pivotal to the way Tottenham play and the perform uh, but it's still going to be a blow but as you said it's going to give an opportunity to those on the fringes to step up and, you know, with the injuries to Perisic, Johnson, and now Solomon, you're thinking Richarlison, maybe, left wing, certain starter. But there's Brian Hill to come back in as well. And I think there's other options there. So, uh, yeah, it's a blow, but I think it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, the reason I asked you about kind of whether you're surprised is that a few of the people I'd spoken to around Fulham, they were a little bit kind of eh about him as if like, oh, I'm quite surprised that Spurs have gone for him. I, looking back, you do wonder whether there's a little bit of, well, we missed out on him and he went to Spurs, that kind of, um, not bitterness, but you know, sometimes when players leave, you, you look at them and you rewrite things slightly. Um, so I think maybe I'd kind of lowered my expectations of, of what he was going to be. And I think he's, yeah, he's impressed me a lot. I, you know, you and I had this conversation before my, my issue was going to be the end product with him in looking at his numbers over the years, but actually it's come in and made an impact. It, even if it's not the assist, it, it's still like the kind of little moment before that created the space and things like that. And I think it's a massive shame for him. Um, cause he seems like a good character as well in the group. And yeah, now it's just about having hopefully a speedy recovery, getting back as soon as possible. So yeah, in terms of those who come in, I think Richarlison's the obvious one. I think Richarlison, especially, you know, having seen him at the weekend, playing back on the left-hand side, it's a funny one, isn't it? I do think it suits him more. You kind of in your head think in, in a natural order of things that he should be the number nine but actually, because of this low crossing system that Postacoglu employs with the ball kind of fired in around feet, it is perfect for 
Sonny. And I don't think it's any coincidence we've seen lots of little flicked goals with his feet from the passes from the side. Uh, low crosses and, and the ball squared across and things like that. Whereas with Richarlison, it feels like there's a little bit less pressure on him when he's not the number nine through the middle. Um, feels like he can maybe impact a game that little bit more. And obviously got the assist for Sonny. Could have had another one had he just stayed on the side. Um, so yeah, I think Richardson is probably the one who benefits the most from this. But I do think that when Brennan Johnson's back, which looks like it could be the first game after international break, I think he's kind of... It's a hamstring strain. So I think it's one of those where maybe you could have really tried to rush him for either this game at Luton or for the... Uh, Wales games but I think you know you run the risk don't you of him actually doing some further damage to the hamstring and then he's out for months Um, so I think they've made the right choice here which must be difficult for Wales as well because obviously Wales have got two big matches in this international break but I do think when Brennan Johnson comes back that's going to be a real battle I think he will be laying claim to that left-hand side and I think the pressure then goes straight back onto Richarlison again which is, in a way, that's what you want. That's what all players need. You need that competition. And I do think Brennan Johnson is going to form a really potent part of the um, attacking trident for Spurs this season. But the good thing about him, as is the case pretty much with most of the attackers, they can all play in any of those three attacking roles. And that's such a huge thing for Postacoglu. So it does mean that, yes, you've lost two very good squad players in Solomon and Perisic, but actually they're kind of there's people that play on the right that can handle that and come across. And, and even Kulisewski, we haven't seen him play on the left yet. I still feel like he could be good on the left because, you know, we talk about him maybe being slightly predictable at times and cutting in on his left and having to shoot. And in a way, that's kind of what Solomon was doing on his right, doing it the other way around. And I do think that both of them playing on the other side of the pitch occasionally really can, I don't want to say educate them because that sounds really patronising, but it can uh, further their development, I think, as footballers. I think I've used in the past as a good example. Martin Joel did it with Aaron Lennon, played him on the left for a spell, and it really improved his left foot, and he started to become less predictable in which way he was going to run with the ball. Um, and I do think with Kulisevsky and Solomon, to a degree, when he comes back, that will be a good thing. Um, but there's also, you know, like you said, there's Brian Hill. Brian Hill coming back. Um, how do you think he fits into a Postacoglu system? Uh, I think he'll fit in well. Uh, direct player, skillful on the ball. It's just a shame that, what was it, two years ago when he signed there uh, from Sevilla and we've not really seen enough of him uh, in the yeah. Spurs shirt. And it's a real shame because there's certainly a very talented player there, someone who's been in the senior Spain squad at times. I think was he likened to Neymar when he was initially coming through in Spain. There's been some comparisons with some Really good players, and I think it was at the turn of this year where we probably saw the best of Brian Hill in the Spurs shirt. Really good against Portsmouth in the FA Cup, and a few days later away at Crystal Palace when they won 4 0. And you're thinking, right, he's got his chance in his team under Antonio Conte. Now we're going to see a lot, lot more of him. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I think, in, I think, I think you probably asked Conte after the uh, Crystal Palace game if he's going to stop at the club. And that's what basically it sounded like. And then a few weeks later, he's on the move again, going back to Sevilla on loan. So, yeah, I think everyone probably just wants to see uh, Brian Hill get an extended run in the Tottenham team. And given there's now no even Perisic, no Mana Solomon, uh, Brendan Johnson, obviously hopefully he'll be back after the international break. 
there should be opportunities there for Brian Hill to get a game and show what he can do. Yeah, my dog Indy is a massive fan of Brian Hill. As soon as you said, especially that performance at Palace just set him off. He just kind of had flashbacks <laughs> to that moment and got very excited about it. Um, yeah, I like Brian Hill. My hope for him is that the Postacoglu, no fear mentality, I want you to take risks, could really suit him well. He's a player that just loves to go at players with the ball, with dribble, play clever little passes as well. Um, and if he's got a manager that's telling him, yeah, crack on, do that. That's exactly what I want you to do. It might suit him quite nicely. I was looking back at the quotes he said last week when I asked about Brian Hill, and he said, it'll be good to see Brian getting up to speed over the next couple of weeks. So whether that means that he's not quite ready yet, well, we'll find out at the weekend quite quite swiftly whether he's able to do, even if it's on the bench for 10, 15 minutes or so, um, or potentially 10, 15 minutes off the bench. I, I, I like Brian Hill. I do. I, I still will always have my little fears about his uh, physicality and his stature and, and, and just... I know people can quite rightly look at, say, a Luka Modric, who I always remember Redknapp trying to play him as like almost like a left winger, um, and someone saying, no, 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 he'll be fine. And he played him against Stoke, it was in the midfield, and he absolutely dominated. But I think with Modric, it sounds weird to say, but he was he had these huge kind of thighs. He was quite stocky, his low centre of gravity, that was where his strength was. Whereas with Ryan Hill, a little bit like he is just a, a, a guy that needs to put on a little a little bit more muscle, I think. Um, and surely, I'm sure, surely, I'm sure that's something that, um, you know, in the Premier League now, he knows he has to do um, and will be working on that. Every, every image I've ever seen of him seems to be in the gym. So I'm sure he's doing that. It is about just if you're a smaller player, it's just making yourself difficult to knock off the ball. Use that to your advantage, you know, use that low centre of gravity. Um, so there's Brian Hill. There's a little further down the line, potentially Ryan Sessegnon when he comes back. Um, obviously, he's he's still in the early stages of his kind of tentative steps back into doing, I think, some light running and things like that. But who knows? Postacoglu might look at him and decide left back, yeah, but maybe a left winger, you know, where he kind of started off at Fulham. Maybe that's where he could use him. Um, there's him. There's, you know... Go on. Are you going to say something? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, could you even move Destiny forward into an attacking three? Uh, because obviously he's played as a left wing back during his time at Udinese. He's uh, contributed goals and assists uh, a decent amount. So I mean, he's got the attacking qualities. So um, I mean, would it be a waste though? Would you be wasting a brilliant left back by pushing him up? I'd probably rather keep him at left back, but I mean, if yeah. there's an attacking crisis and you're needing someone to step up, he's someone who's got the attributes maybe to play there. But for me, I'd rather keep him as a left back. Yeah, it's a good shout. It's good. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, if I'm saying the same with Session, there's no reason why you couldn't do that uh, with Destiny. But I do think he's made such a huge impact in that role. I wouldn't want to kind of take him out of there. I mean, and then you can dip down to younger players. You've got Alejo Veliz as well, who I know he doesn't play on the left, but you then do technically have the option of Sonny moving back out to the left and perhaps Veliz coming through the middle at times because it's quite interesting. I was looking back at Postacoglu's quote about Veliz in August. It will be a while for him, I think. We've just got to let him settle. He's come halfway around the world. He's a young guy. It's a fairly different level. He's one we'll invest in in the long term, but I wouldn't expect to see him getting any minutes in the first part of the season. He's already made his debut. Um, 
And I do you know what? I think that's testament to Valise because from what I understand, he's come into those training sessions after coming back from the injury he arrived with, and he's absolutely wowed them. He's done really good work in training. Apparently, his finishing especially is just phenomenal. Um, obviously, I got to see him in the under-21s game at Colchester in the EFL Trophy. He looked a little bit rusty then, but you could see his physique and his frame and his movement was very good. And this is the thing. We, we kind of, myself included, I think we're kind of almost writing him off as this young player with no real experience. But, you know, he, he played almost a full season pretty much for Rosario Central in the Argentinian top flight. I think he got 11 goals in 23 matches as a teenager. So it's not like he's some kid that's got no first-team experience whatsoever. I know the Premier League is a is a leap. Of course it is. But I do think that maybe he'll, especially with that big physique ready for the Premier League, I mean, he is a unit. Having stood at pitch side near and kind of walked by, he is a big lad kind of thing. He's just towering over players and coaches. Yeah, I, I think he's one of those where maybe we see him get a minute or two and he surprises everyone and comes up with it. I mean, wasn't he just behind Matip? I think he could have actually had Matip missed that. I think the ball was coming to Valise, who'd made a good run in behind him. Um, so by all means, you know, maybe him. And then, you know, anyone in the academy that you think might get a benefit from from this injury issue? or and I wouldn't say a crisis, but injury list at the moment. Yeah, uh, there's Jamie Donnelly, who was on the bench the other day. He's been doing really, really well in Premier League 2 and probably deservedly uh, got his place on the bench last week against Liverpool, Iago Santiago. I think he may be the more natural replacement, really, uh, considering he does play on the left. He's, like Donnelly, started the season really, really well. So a few options there. Uh, I mean, it's not like an injury crisis and going to have to move someone for the sake of moving it to cover a position. there are options there and uh, that's a good thing for Postacoglu and I think especially for the youngsters, if they're doing well in Premier League too and Postacoglu notices it, he will give them an opportunity in training. Then if they take it, then there's a chance that they could be in the match they squad and that Premier League debut could come their way. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that is where there are a couple of real... I've obviously got Alfie Dorrington, Central Defence as well, who I was really impressed with this weekend. Uh, sorry, weekend. Monday night when I watched Spurs-Chelsea for the under-21s, he was excellent. And actually, the next day or a couple of days later, has got a Premier League 2 Player of the Month nomination. But yeah, in terms of the attack, Donnelly and Santiago do stand out. Donnelly, everyone's heard me banging the Jamie Donnelly drum. I just think he is the best player in the academy right now. The way he's playing, he's just reaching new heights and I love the fact that Postacoglu rewarded him with that spot on the bench because it wasn't just a massive pat on the back for Donnelly it was also a massive pat on the back for the academy and all the staff and everyone Wayne Bennett the under-21s manager did a really nice little kind of post-match interview on Monday night where he spoke about the fact that it's not even just coaching staff it's like sports physios it's uh, science staff um, you know, kit men, everyone, catering stuff, anyone that's played a little part in Jamie Donnelly's journey. And Jamie Donnelly, it's, it's a lovely story. You know, he, he went, came to the club as a kid. I mean, technically he's 18. He's, he's barely just kind of out of being a kid already. But he's grew up a Spurs fan, England under-19 international. It, it would be a lovely moment for him if he were to come off the bench and get some minutes. Um, and he's just been phenomenal. Six goals, seven assists in 13 games. He's can play for me anywhere across that front three, but also drop back into almost the Madison role as well. He's been playing in that kind of role in recent games. 
Um, he's, yeah, he's one of those where I think, I wonder whether other players were looked at him, over him at times in the academy in recent years. I mean, that they knew his worth because I think he signed a four-year deal, which is quite unusual for academy kids. It's normally two or three-year deals they get. Um, and he got a four-year deal. So I think there was an understanding that he could be something quite special if he continued to develop. But then I think there was always this looking at Dane Scarlett um, and even Troy Parrott before that and Alfie Devine, of course, as the bit of the superstars of the academy. And I think Jamie Donnelly just kept working away in the background, filling in in various positions when people are out. And I don't think people realise that while he was playing in all these different roles, he was actually kind of furthering his development and, and rounding out his game even more. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time for Jamie Donnelly as a player, and I think we'll see him get minutes. As for Yago Santiago, yeah, a bit older, 20 years old, Jamie's only 18, but he's had a terrific, I'd say maybe six months to a year, he's really kind of pushed on as a left winger, um, and he's been a big part in the, the under-21s having maximum points. He's not even unbeaten, they're actually just battering everyone as well the goals they're scoring and I've got his stats somewhere he's got six goals and three assists from his seven games and watching him again on Monday night he just a bit like we're saying about Brian Hill he just runs and runs at people even late in the game against Chelsea in the final moments he's got great fitness he was sprinting up the pitch from end to end um I think if I remember correctly it was him that set up Niall John for the last goal um, and that's what you need. That's something Wayne Burnett said actually after the game was that there's a real focus on the academy now because of the demands that Postacoglu had and how fit the players have to be. That now the academy players have to be at that fitness level as well, because it's just it's huge what he asked them to do. And this is why we're seeing last minute goals against Sheffield United, last minute goals against Liverpool, because Spurs are one of the fittest teams in the league. So the academy's got to match that. So. Um, yeah, I would say Donnelly and Santiago are the two that you would probably say could get a chance. You'd think this would allow Donnelly to be on the bench again, but Santiago certainly gets some training time this week, um, if he, you'd hope. Um, I was trying to think. It depends very much, I guess, if Lacelso comes back. Actually, that's another name. Lacelso could technically play on the left of the front three as well. Yeah, he would could. Would you put him there? Uh, I think he's probably better slightly deeper uh but he's played in the variety of positions for Spurs so far throughout his career so why not put him left wing if you need someone but i suppose as well you could probably put madison in that position if you wanted because i think he'll have played as part of a front three at leicester but then again it's like what we're saying at destiny uh leave him in the best positions i think but yeah i think it's probably Richarlison's position. And then if Richie wasn't playing, I'd probably like to see Brian uh, Hill get a chance because the one thing with Brian Hill, everyone's always, you know, said and questioned is whether he can make it in the Premier League due to his physicality. Well, it's only one way you're going to find out. That's by giving him that game time because, yeah, he's been on loan to Spain uh, the past couple of seasons. And whilst that's all well and good to get the game time he needs, everyone was always saying, well, send him to a Premier League club, let him get that experience in the top flight. But yeah, hopefully he will be getting some uh, game time soon. There's, it's a shame for Solomon because like you said, he's been starting the season really well, but at least there's a few options there. Right, as we're probably about halfway through the pod as it's only a short one today, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? If you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. 
and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. It's a service I've used for years. Anyone that's listened to me talk about NordVPN over the months and, you know, that they've sponsored this podcast, you'll know that I used it for a long, long time before they came on board the podcast. I've always felt quite well-placed to speak about them. Uh, it's a service that I use whenever I go on holiday, sometimes with work as well in terms of being able to access stuff from back home that you wouldn't normally be able to access because for some reason those streaming companies stop you and restrict you from watching stuff you've paid to be able to watch back home. So you can just set your device to be back in the UK, wherever you are, and you can just watch your stuff. It's a really good service. Um, and also for security reasons, it's pretty good as well. You know, when you want to use a public Wi-Fi, it can go a long way to stopping people taking things off your devices that you really don't want them to take. Um, and not only that, but the outlay on a NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. And that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, you could book a flight from another country by setting your device to thinking it's in that country. And that could be cheaper, too. So it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right. Uh, Jurgen Klopp was in front of the media yesterday. He was holding his pre-match press conference ahead of... Liverpool's Europa League tight against Union Saint-Gilois. Uh, I think it was fairly obvious what he was going to be asked about in his press conference, especially with PGMOL releasing the VAR audio from that Luis Diaz disallowed goal. And probably wasn't a surprise as well for the word uh, replay to crop up at a certain time during that press conference. And that's what Jurgen Klopp has said. He said... I think a replay uh, would be the right thing. Uh, I think the chances of a replay are extremely slim, to say the least. <sighs> yeah, they should be. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, we spoke about this on the last pod. We kind of touched on it that if if you had a replay of that game, you would open the door to untold ridiculousness. You really would. Any time any match went against you, you could just say, oh, we need to replay this. Yeah, yeah, no, there was a fault. Yeah, yeah, we found there was like someone unplugged the the video printer, you know, just anything. It's just so ridiculous. Um, and I love the the thing that, you know, and I, I kind of think that a lot of the stuff post-match that Klopp said was absolutely fine. I didn't really have any issues with it. I thought he spoke quite well after the game, whereas it's almost like he undid a fair bit of what he said by with the replay stuff because... I mean, to come out and say it was unprecedented as well. I was like, what? I'm sorry, if you've you watched football, the amount of things that have happened in games over not even just this season, but recent seasons, where you could say, oh, that was unprecedented. You know, that, that could have, I mean, Spurs fan, I, I tweeted straight after, someone give Pedro Mendes a call, he's got to get his boots back on because we're replaying that game at Old Trafford. Um, it's just incredible. Um Spurs are the team where they keep changing rules after because everything happens to Spurs. You know, Sissoko handball, Eric Dyer handball. I remember that one as well. It's oh, it'd be utterly ridiculous if anyone even thought about a replay because, I mean, 
Daniel Levy. Can you imagine someone telling Daniel Levy, oh, by the way, <laughs> it would be the most ridiculous legal kind of thing would begin. Um, although I guess maybe, I don't know, how does that work? Could he get another full stadium's worth of tickets? I don't know how that works. Or do you have to invite all the same fans back again? Well, surely everyone who was at the game will be going in for free again, surely. <laughs> double I, bubble. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's never happened before and a replay is just not going to happen, is it? Because like we said in the last pod, where exactly do you restart? The Liverpool have nine yeah. men. Uh, what, what is the score? Is it 1-0 Liverpool? You start from nil-nil? I don't know. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Well, no, you're spot on there because, yeah, they could say, oh, we'll start from the exact moment that goal was. But then, yeah, so what you're saying is then that we'll we'll scrub out of history the second red card. We'll scrub out from history Spurs equaliser. You know, what's to say that those things still wouldn't have happened? It's just such a ridiculous attempt to rewrite history. Yeah. Um, and I, I must admit, I was a little bit, I guess, not disappointed, but I was, it was a bit like, oh, when I kind of heard it, the, saw the quotes come through on Twitter and it was a bit, yeah it's just madness it would never have worked and then we had the app notification from spurs which was the most incredible app notification timing wise i think i've ever seen if you didn't get it the spurs notification uh from their app today um it was about what was it just before just after lunchtime it came out with Fixture update. Our home league clash with Liverpool has been rescheduled. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever clicked so quickly to find a rescheduled uh, women's Super League match. It was amazing from Spurs. And it, I mean, it's great. It's great in terms of now loads of people know that the uh, the women's game against Liverpool has been rescheduled. But I, I don't think that was entirely... If I'm going to be a bit cynical... I don't think Spurs were, you know, I think Spurs were being a little bit naughty there, a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek. Um, and I don't think they can uh, ever acclu- uh, accuse any um, website or anything of clickbait ever again because that was remarkable. I mean, hats off to them. It, it was very good. Um, I just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you can't have a replay. You just can't. It would just, it would quite literally mess with the fabric of time it would it would be incredible you would create this ripple effect it sounds like a marvel movie of which i know that you're just kind of rolling your eyes right now but it would it would just ruin the multiverse don't do it don't ever think about it premier league don't ever think about it uefa um don't it's a precedent that doesn't need to be set mistakes will happen in football regardless of where they come from or how they come Mistakes happen and everyone deals with them and they just move on and they go into the next game trying to win. That's as simple as it is. Yeah, I mean, surely if it it was to be replayed, then you've got to play with exactly the same players on the pitch who were there that time. You can't. (laughs) I mean, Manor's got to come off the bench again. Yeah, I mean, you can't have like all of a sudden, oh, Spurs will put Rodrigo Bensonker in the team now even though he was injured last time. I was ridiculous. It just, it can't happen. And I think probably a lot expected the word replay to come up uh, during that press conference, but it just set a huge precedent, wasn't it? And it would be literally on a weekly basis. There'd be a couple of teams asking for a replay. It's just dangerous, dangerous game. And, 
I think the one thing for Jurgen Klopp now, what he can do is he's just got to move on. It was a human error. It happens. It's unfortunate. If it happened to Tottenham, I'm sure uh, everyone would be in the same boat as the Liverpool fans at present. They'd be, you know, up in arms. They'd be furious because, I mean, these points could, you know, prove costly come the end of the season. But it's happened. I think all I can do now is just focus on the upcoming games and God knows what will happen if something goes against them on Sunday when they're playing. He will blow up big time. Oh, honestly. But have you seen some of the things that like people have kind of gone back and, and they've rightly pointed out? Do you remember, what was it? Was it Ryan Mason, wasn't it, after the game um, last season? And um, Klopp was very kind of patronising and just was like, yeah, yeah, I think you've got other things to worry about right now. And it was like, what? <laughs> Here we are. Just these, whatever, how many months later? Um, and he's um, making a kind of a massive fuss over over one game. And there was a, someone had found a Van Dyke thing as well. I can't remember what game it was now. Was it a Champions League game when um, a team had had a couple of incidents or goals ruled out when they shouldn't be or something like that? And he just was like, who cares? Kind of thing at the end of the game. It's like, it's funny. It's, just, it's football. Just kind of, I've said this in the last one. Football comes around. It does. It's just like anything bad that happens to you eventually you're going to get something good goes in your favor um and they did the whole var table and liverpool quite high up aren't they from benefiting from var decisions and yeah it's uh it's one of those i just hope that this is the last time we have to talk about it and that it isn't um sorry roma that was a team roma should have had two penalties that was it he said who cares um i hope that we're not at the end of the season talking about like one or two points that Liverpool should have got and they're all going to talk about that match well I mean I think it's end of no start of May when Spurs are playing at Anfield and I mean I think that game was going to be on telly anyway but most certainly will be now all eyes will be on Anfield that game and you know that could be a a big big game in the race for the top four Uh, and be interesting to know how you know Ange Postacoglu would have dealt with it if it had happened to Spurs I think say if he was holding the pre-match press conference this way, I think they'd have probably maybe just brushed off. It's, you know, it's happened this I year. I get it's that impression. Error. That's it. Move on. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how he'd have responded. Yeah, I agree. He's, he doesn't, well, we see him on the touchline, don't we? Every week. He He doesn't get ridiculously over the top about things. He doesn't like shout and scream at the sky or the fourth official. The most I've seen him uh, was the Romero handball against Arsenal. We just kind of turned around and laughed. That was it. I, I can't imagine that he's going to come out and have a massive kind of meltdown about it. Um, and again, I, I don't think it needs stressing. Liverpool played really well and they deserve credit for that. And unfortunately, it's just the noise around it afterwards has made people kind of just a bit, uh, not what's the, the right word for it? Just, I think there's just this feeling of, oh, again, they're kind of complaining again about something in football, which is a shame because it overshadowed what was a really good performance by them. They were just unfortunate. Um, but there you go. There you go. It, it's gone now. And like you say, the home game at Anfield is going to be huge. They're going to have put so much pressure on the officials and that will be continued to be done in the week or two before that game as well. Um, so I would be stunned if Liverpool don't get some kind of penalty or big decision that day because there's going to be so much pressure on 
everything to focus on any little thing that Tottenham do. Yep. Right, we'll move on now. Obviously, we've uh, spoken about Brendan Johnson earlier in this podcast. Uh, suffered a hamstring injury in the Arsenal game. He He's not in the Wales squad uh, for their upcoming games. I think they've got Gibraltar in the friendly, then Croatia in what probably is a must-win uh, Euro 2024 qualifier for them as they look to make it to the tournament in Germany uh, next year. It's... It's one of these. It's probably the right decision all round. Having not having him in the Wales squad because obviously Tottenham want him uh, as fit as possible and as back to fitness as soon as possible. And the last thing you want to do is have him involved in the squad at Luton, and then all of a sudden that means he's going to go represent Wales, and then an injury occurs again, and he's out on the sidelines for a long, long time. I think. All in all, this is the right decision for Johnson and fingers crossed we'll see him back for the Fulham game in October. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think this is one of these international breaks where Postacoglu would love to say to a few players, just stay here, just rest. I know it's a huge honour to play for your country, but my goodness, you're, you've got all these little issues and niggles and knocks and problems with your bodies. Just kind of just let them all heal. Otherwise, you're going to end up making them worse and be out for a kind of a lengthy period of time. Like we say, Johnson, it's it's the right thing to do. It's it's not good for Wales, but it is the right thing to do. Madison, we've just seen before we started this, he's been called up to the England squad again. Um, and, you know, in an ideal world, he's would really could do with a rest. He's been playing with so many little problems recently. It's essentially been not quite Ledley King style of no training at all and then throwing him out on the day of the game, but he has had like a reduced training regime in recent weeks. Um, and yeah, it's one of those where I hope Southgate kind of uses him sparingly. And I know that's not great for the player because he would love to obviously be pulling on that England shirt and playing for them because I do think there's a real. Ch- That's the irony. Is there's a big chance for him to cement a position in this England squad if he were to play as he has been for Spurs for England. But selfishly, I think from the Tottenham perspective, I think I'd like him just to just to rest his body up a bit. And the same goes for Sonny. I would love to know if there's any you know Korean listeners to this or Korean viewers on the YouTube channel. I'd love to know where their heads at in terms of Sonny because obviously Sonny will no doubt go away with South Korea, and I think. Jurgen Klinsmann needs a needs some results uh, to put it that way, um, and obviously Sonny is is likely to, as always, kind of captain that team and and play as many minutes as possible. I, I'd like to know whether the Korean listeners and viewers would they rather he heals up or would they rather he you know does his 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 bit for the country as as he's done so many times over the years. I'd like to know kind of where their heads are at because obviously. We only look at it from a Spurs perspective, um, again, which can be quite selfish, and we want him to to rest up because it looked like he was getting treatment on his groin again when he came off after the game. He kind of hobbled over to the celebrations for the winning goal. Um, and I'd be intrigued to know kind of what the view is back in Korea. Um, do they just feel he kind of has to play because he is so important to them, which is understandable? Or do they feel that he maybe does need just a, a couple of weeks rest, which probably isn't going to come? Um, Managers must just hate the international break, club managers. They just know that 
you've either got one of two things happen. Someone goes that really needs a rest or someone goes and gets an injury that you weren't expecting. This is the thing. Postacoglu will be watching every one of those games that he possibly can and trying to get updates because if they get more injuries in a thin squad, you're starting to get down to some kind of worrying bare bones in certain departments. So, uh, yeah, I hate the international break enough without what this one could potentially bring for Spurs. Yeah, uh, I think Tottenham's and Andrew Postacoglu's management of the injuries, especially Madison and Son, has been good. You know, he's not yeah. absolutely flogging them and making sure they play 90 minutes in order for Spurs to get a result. He's playing them maybe to the limit at the moment, uh, their limit, given their current issues and, you know, then bringing them off and giving others uh, from the bench an opportunity uh, to make the case. So, yeah, just fingers crossed we have uh, no injuries in this international break, but they they come around so, so quick. I mean, it only seems a few weeks ago that they were, you know, jetting off after the win at Burnley. And then, I mean, it's always going to be the case this season, especially with Spurs not in the Carabao Cup now and not in Europe. It's literally four games, then you've got two weeks off. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll be a, a long two weeks from a Tottenham fan's perspective because everyone just wants to keep watching the team at the moment, especially when they're you know, doing so well in the league and riding high in the table. So hopefully they'll be able to get three points at Luton before everyone else uh, goes away to represent their uh, countries. Right, uh, some more good news from a Spurs perspective today, although it might not be if they win the awards again. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Premier League have announced the nominees for the Manager of the Month Award, Player of the Month and Save of the Month. So Ange Postacoglu, who won the award for August, he's nominated again for September. There's Jurgen Klopp there, Eddie Howe, Unai Emery and Mikel Arteta. For the Player of the Month, Son has been nominated. There's Julian Alvarez at Man City, Jared Bowen, Pedro Neta, Mohamed Salah, Kieran Trippier and Ollie Watkins and then Guglielmo Vicario following that brilliant, brilliant save against Burnley. I think it was to de- deny Lyle Foster in the second half. He's been nominated for the save of the month. Jordan Pickford, Edison, David Raya, Robert Sanchez and Alison Becker, the others to be nominated. In terms of the manager of the month award, and she's got another good chance of coming out on top with this award, especially with Spurs uh, being unbeaten in the month. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I said that to you kind of before we recorded this, that, yeah, he could end up with back-to-back ones. Obviously, there's been a fair few good performances, but for for various clubs, um, and obviously it's, it's one of those where you wonder whether they get influenced also by maybe... Newcastle doing really well in Champions League against PSG as well. I know they're not supposed to. It's supposed to be Premier League. Well, they're saying that technically that'd be outside the month as well. So really, it really shouldn't count. (laughs) But you do wonder sometimes whether the emotion sways these as well. Um, Because I think Postacoglu, yeah, another kind of terrific month as well. Really um, early in his reign. And to be honest, if you win it back to back, does that destroy the manager of the month myth? Yeah, you'd think so, unless then they lose every single game in October and November. Then <laughs> there's certainly something wrong then if that happens. We'll come back to this moment as well <laughs> if that happened and say that you jinxed them, not the award. Um, yeah, I think he's in with a great shout. And I think so Sonny, to be honest. I mean, one, I think 
you know, Ollie Watkins, I think, would be a great shout as well. But I was just looking at Ollie Watkins has got four goals and an assist towards the end of last month, whereas Sonny obviously got five goals. Did he get six. Any as well? oh, yeah, six goals. Six, yeah, yeah. Six Three, goals. Two. He's outscored uh, all of them, really. Like you said, Watkins has got four goals, but they came in Villa's last two games. Uh, if you're looking at the goals, goal involvements, you probably think Son's the favourite. That'd be great. Can you imagine if Spurs won manager of the month <laughs> twice in a row and got the two player in the month as well after Madison? That would be superb. Um, and, it, you know, it would just be another kind of pat on the back for everything that they've been doing in these early months. Because, um, yeah, Sonny's adapted to that number nine role as well. So, well, um, oh, yeah, of course he did. Uh, yeah, of course he scored against Liverpool, didn't he? <laughs> I've just, for some reason, removed that from my brain. Um yeah, yeah, I think that'd be great for for Spurs, and it's it's one of those not for everyone to get carried away with, but it certainly would be, um, yeah, a nice little pat on the back for everything they've done. And in terms of Vicario, it was a lovely at the time. I remember thinking like, oof, you know, especially with the deflection off Romero, it was very very good, um, and would also be a massive confidence boost for him after his brilliant start to the season. I was trying to remember some of the other saves. Is it? Any off the top of your head that kind of are more likely to get it? Pickford, I think, 100%. Uh, <laughs> I'm shocked that was the one you went to. I was no, waiting no, to see where we no. went uh, That was the save the same day. That was against Sheffield United in the last minute. It was a header from a corner, flying save. I think tipped it against the bar, came down. Might be McBurney, who tried to, you know, put it in and then hit Pickford on the head. So really, really good double save. So... As good as Vicario's was, I think Pickford's was better. I'm not sure about the other four, but I think it'd have to be some save to beat Pickford's. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just give the award to Everton, I presume. Well, we need to win something, so. (laughs) That'll do. It's something. Put that in the cabinet. In terms of then manager of the month, would you be going with Ange? Because, I mean, it's Ange and Mikel Arteta are the only two unbeaten. But, I mean, if you're looking at Spurs' games in September, uh, winning at Liverpool, uh, at home to Liverpool, a draw away at Arsenal, what's, you know, a good result going on, how Arsenal have done under Arteta over the past season in a bit. Uh, A very, very late win against Sheffield United and then a dominant performance at Burnley. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Looking at those, you know, they've only dropped a couple of points at Arsenal and still got a good result there, really. Um, It would be very harsh, I think, for anyone else to kind of get that over him again, to be honest. Um, I know others have done well from their various positions, like Emery especially. Um, But yeah, how how did Klopp, did, did Liverpool, they've lost to Spurs, did they win every other one? I think so. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if September started maybe with that really good win at Newcastle when they were down to 10 men. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure that might be in August, but the Eddie House had a really good month uh, in Newcastle, especially after a tough few results at the start of the season. But then again, they lost away at Brighton in the first game in September and the beating teams you'd probably expect them to beat. I mean, that Sheffield United scoreline was just ridiculous, but 
you would expect them to get three points away at Sheffield United at home to Burnley as well. The Emery's had a really solid month at Villa. They're doing really, really well in the Premier League, but they lost, I think, 3-0 at Liverpool. So, I don't know. Whoever judges it, uh, five good candidates there. No, unfortunately not. I think he's just going to go for manager of the season. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What a turnaround that'll be. Um, Yeah, I'd go for Ange, but then... That's probably just because I've seen more of him um, over the past month. But uh, yeah, Get all, all three to Spurs, please. Yeah, nice to be nominated. Shows, you know, Spurs are heading <laughs> in the right direction, though. Always nice to be nominated. Yes. Right. Saturday's game away at Luton, then half 12 kickoff at Kenilworth Road. If Spurs win, they will move top of the Premier League table with Man City playing Arsenal uh, just over 24 hours later at the Emirates Stadium. If the result goes Spurs' way, Spurs will go into the second international break top of the Premier League table. So, in terms of the team for you, Ali, same one that started against Liverpool? I think it has to be pretty much. I'm trying to think anywhere that I would make any changes. I don't think so. I think it has to be, especially because of injuries. Obviously, as as long as Sonny and Madison are, are fine to to take part, certainly Spurs have whacked out some training images of them in the last couple of days, and and seeming certainly Madison being involved in some training. I saw him put a Sonny image up today as well. You always wonder whether these training images, <laughs> when they actually took place and when they happened, I think it's all a little bit of gamesmanship involved in them as well. Um, but if they're both fit to to play, then yeah, this is the kind of it sounds ridiculous after you've played Arsenal and Liverpool in successive weeks, but this is kind of the test for Spurs now because so many times they've raised their games to play against the big teams and then they've straight away gone to a team that they were expected to beat and they've completely and utterly messed it up. Um, and this will be a test to that because, you know, Luton obviously picked up their first victory. Uh, who was it against? I can't remember who they played now. Who was it they played? I have no idea. <laughs> We'll say it was a lucky win. I feel a bit a bit harsh on you with Everton in the last couple of minutes. It, it wasn't intentional. It all just happened in the same space of time. Um, yeah, Luton obviously picked up their first win of the season, seventeenth place. You know they've only got four points on the board so far. Spurs should be going there and doing what they have to do. I mean, they've only scored five goals so far across their six games. Um, most of those coming against Everton. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's it's a game that Spurs have to go there and, and quite frankly, um, and do the business. But that's going to be ultimate test for them because it'll be, it'll be a good kind of uh, look at the way Postacoglu kind of gets his teams going for these kind of games as well, I suppose. You know, I suppose they, they took on Sheffield United and, and didn't give up. And, and got their rewards in the final moment. So against Luton, do you know what? I, I, what it might help them is that I didn't think they were particularly good against Liverpool Spurs. And I do wonder whether there'll be a, a bit of a reaction in terms of performance because Postacoglu will have said that to them. And he said it after the game. He did feel that, especially after, I think it was after, he said after Spurs scored, that they didn't react particularly well to that. Um so, yeah, if they can go to Luton and kind of right some of the wrongs that they had against Liverpool, in a way, 
weirdly, playing against the 10 and 9 men of Liverpool might prepare them for the way Luton might set up against them in, in being more kind of organised and difficult to break down and trying to counter, um, which is a difficult one when you're at home, especially with the crowd probably wanting Luton to push on because obviously Spurs are that kind of team that if, they, if you give them any space in behind, the Spurs are going to exploit that. So yeah, maybe they just had a big old, whatever it was, almost 100-minute training session at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last week on how to try and break teams down and, and we'll see what they took out of that and what they learned. Yeah, I think Angie's never going to let the players get ahead of themselves. So it'll just be concentrating on, you know, one game at a time and they'll be uh, ready to go against Luton on Saturday. Definitely going to be uh, a test, but if Spurs can carry on playing the way they have been, uh, then you'd fully expect them to get the three points. I think I'm with you. I think you just go with the same team. Uh, it'd be nice if, you know, Richarlison could get a goal or two uh, to his name and if Spurs can be in a, a decent position around, you know, the 60, 70 minute mark, then maybe if Jamie Donnelly's on the bench, then he could make his Premier League debut and if Brian Hill's back on the bench, give him some game time as well because I think he's gone to see an increase in minutes, hopefully uh, from October onwards. So, yeah, uh, I think fully expect Spurs to win, but don't underestimate Luton. They're scrapping for the lives and Kenilworth Road, you'd think he's going to be the place they're going to get the vast majority of their points this season. Right, before we call it a day on today's podcast, Ali, uh, you want to say something, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say a few words about Pete Hayne. Uh, we lost Pete Hayne this week um, on Tuesday morning. If if you're not aware who Pete is or Pete was, just one of the most loveliest people that you will find involved around Tottenham Hotspur ever. Honestly, I was so fortunate to have known Pete. He was brilliant with me. In um, He was with the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, he was with them for five years. Four of those years, he was the secretary of the trust. And kind of his time coming in to the trust kind of coincided really with my early days of covering Spurs. And he was just the most incredibly helpful, generous with his time gentleman that I've ever come across. Um, and just kind of explaining little things about how it worked, coming in to cover the club and understanding how the supporters' trust worked and how it worked with things behind the scenes at Spurs and and just a little bit kind of more of understanding. He just absolutely knew the history of Tottenham Hotspur inside out um, and genuinely the most loveliest human being I've probably ever come across in football. And, you know, I've met a lot of people in football. So to take that title, it, it really is you know, just shows you what a guy he was. He, he'd been kind of battling with pancreatic cancer over the last 10 months. And unfortunately, after, you know, just battling so bravely, it got the better of him uh, this week. Um, and honestly, any I've never heard someone say a, have a bad word to say about Pete. Everyone had the same feeling with him because he would just stop and chat with you. Every under-21s match I was at, Pete would seek me out at halftime. We'd see him, he'd have like a pork pie hat. And he'd walk across and I always made me smile when I saw him come in because I knew he was going to have a little funny kind of story to tell me, something that we could talk about. Um, and he would do it sometimes at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well when he could get over there because he was a season ticket holder at Spurs. And he's also, I think there's um, a Spurs Heritage Trail that's um, been launched this week. And I think, if I'm correct in saying that Pete had 
kind of something to do with that. He helped to devise that. So I hope that anyone that goes on the Spurs Heritage Trail now um, will know. Uh, they, you know, they probably won't, but I'm sure as, as many people will tell them as possible that you know Pete Hayne had something to do with that Heritage Trail. It was kind of part of his thinking and his uh, idea to get that going. And it's a lovely thing, and yeah, just um, a terrific guy. Had time for everyone. Did so much for the local community as well. Had a real kind of drive that he would do for the food banks in the Tottenham area. It wasn't just about the football club. He just wanted to help people in general. Um, and it's just one of those really just such a sad thing that sometimes, you know, the good ones get taken away. And, and it's certainly the case with Pete and just our best wishes and, you know, to his family and friends and, and all those he's left behind because he certainly made an impact on the on the world. Um, and that's kind of all you can ask for in life. Yep. Thanks for those words, Ali. Right, we'll uh, leave that there for today's latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. Thank you, as ever, for listening in and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Spurs news. To grab a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.